Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, uh, this is the first Sunday of Advent, and a very warm welcome to you. Although, as Ben is fond of saying, Advent begins in the dark, and I feel like this is actually the 33rd Sunday of Advent. Uh, So we've been in Advent, it feels like, since March. But the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, and reminds us that indeed, the old creation will come to an end. There will be judgment But as Christians, we await a new beginning and a new creation. Advent is a season filled with very powerful themes which are relevant to our lives as Christians and speak to the lived experience of 2020. These themes, when taken to heart, will carry us through not only whatever comes in 2021, but actually into the age that is to come. And of course, as always, I will highlight three of them for you today from our gospel reading. Uh, the first one is, is, be not afraid. That is an important theme in Advent, be not afraid. Then the second theme is, be alert, or be awake, be on watch. Or in other words, expect Jesus to return. And then three, because we can expect him to return, be of great hope. Now, instinctively, everything we see and experience in life tells us that time in life is circular. Seasons, days, the planets in their orbit. Here we are, once again, we're back full circle at the start of a new liturgical year. In a month, we'll be at a new calendar year. And it's hard to wrap our minds around the fact that there ultimately will be an end. However, this is what Christianity teaches. It's not pagan, it's not Eastern, it's not a bunch of circles just constantly repeating itself. It's linear. I think we get a glimpse of this reality during significant moments in life. You graduated, a beginning and an end. You got married, an end of single life. You got divorced, the end of your married life. You went to a funeral and you reflected on the span of a life. There's a clear beginning and a definite end. And as Christians, we believe, because there's a definitive end, God, who is holy and just, well, judgment is built into the equation of the end. This is demonstrated in the way Jesus teaches in our gospel reading today. And I would encourage you to go home and read the entire chapter uh, to place it within its context. But if you remember the beginning of the Bible, in the first chapter of Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And now Jesus speaks of the end of these things. He speaks of the unraveling of the old creation. The sun darkened, the moon no longer giving light, the stars literally falling from the heavens, and the powers of the heavens are literally shaken, Jesus says. However, stuck 
in the circular perspective of life and the world, what Jesus speaks of here seems actually unfathomable to us. Almost as unfathomable as in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is doing here is breaking us off the circle and reminding us it's a line. But because we're so circular in our society, when we speak of the end, we tend to speak of it in one of two ways. We speak of it in terms of either doubt or we speak of it in terms of dread. I think most New Yorkers doubt the end. Maybe you do. I mean, we see the occasional crazy guy in the subway or there on the street corner with the sign that says the end is near. We go, hmm, that's interesting. But really, we think life is just going to go on forever. We laugh it off as if it's just another piece of religious superstition. Or we approach it with dread. And believe me, I've been watching a lot of YouTube. And I have heard about some people's Facebook pages and Twitter feeds. Not yours, of course, but some people's. And I've heard some people are approaching the end and are tapping into these conspiracy theories with dread and are living in real fear, seeking signs, trying to make connections in order to bring the end of time under their control. We used to host, and uh, they'll come back, but we used to host an open AA meeting here at St. George's, and they always saved me a seat uh, uh, two seats so that if I was counseling someone and I could see that there was addiction involved in the process, we could just slip in the back, no questions asked. And one particular day they were going through the step, realized that my life was unmanageable and needed a power outside of myself to save me. And it was right during that time of the eclipse and this woman got up to share and she said, you know, my life has been out of control and I was just, I was having a hard day at work and I'm walking down Park Avenue and I just want to go into a bar. And she said, and then I saw all of these people with these eclipse glasses looking up and watching the eclipse. And so I just randomly asked one person, can I take a look? And they said, absolutely. And they actually had an extra pair of glasses. She said, and I looked up and I literally saw the the moon pass in front of the sun. And I realized, I'm not in control of Jack. (laughs) And this is the truth. We're not in control of Jack. She said something else. It was a little more gritty, appropriate for the church basement. But what Jesus is teaching us here in this gospel reading today is that the end is coming. And to you, the New York cynic, he says it's real. And to you, the New York control freak, he says this is not in your control. I think this is one of the comforting lessons, though, of the fig tree that's in our reading today. It's very powerful. Because in Israel and Palestine, there are, most of the plants are evergreen. There are two real plants that bloom. There's the olive tree in the spring, early spring, that blooms. And then there's the fig tree that blooms right at the very end of the spring, right before the hot winds blast up 
from the Dead Sea. But like St. Paul with the image of birth pains from a couple of weeks ago, Jesus uses a budding fig tree as a sign of the end. A sign of the end of the old heavens and earth. He uses this, a sign of new life, not death, to symbolize the end for Christians. And this is my first point. Dear Christian, be not afraid. Be not afraid, because we know Jesus is coming again in great power and glory. We confess this in our creeds. However, you need not be cynical either, or overly obsessed with the details. Be not afraid, because the end for you is not about destruction, but your salvation and your life. The end for the church, as Jesus says, is good news. It's a new beginning, a unification as he gathers his elect, a unification of the church which has been fragmented and split and hopelessly scattered in this age. The end for all of us is not better, it's made new, and we are finally brought together and made one voice that glorifies Jesus' name. However, Jesus says, Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until these things have taken place. Huh? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Well, these words in this particular line, and this is why I wanted to preach on this particular text, has baffled Christians ever since. Jesus spoke them, so what does he mean and why is this good news for you? Well, in the same way, uh, the Bible oftentimes speaks of types and antitypes. The Bible speaks of the already and the not yet. And in the person and work of Jesus, as humanity's complete and total substitute, Jesus embodies the whole world. He embodies you and me. And so in a very real sense, when he died, the whole world, for all intents and purposes, met its end as well. And if you recall, when he died, the sky went black. The earth shook. There even was a resurrection. Also, 40 years later, another type occurred and fulfilled the saying that this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. When General Titus, under the Roman Emperor Vespasian, destroyed the Jerusalem temple in 70 AD, literally fulfilling what Jesus said about the temple earlier in this chapter, not one stone would be left unturned. The first generation for Christians, the generation of St. Paul, St. Paul himself thought Jesus was coming back in his day. Christians during the first millennia thought Jesus was coming back in their day. Christians during the Reformation thought Jesus was coming back in their day. Christians during the turn of the second millennia thought that Jesus was coming back in their day. People right now in the midst of COVID, Christians in the midst of COVID, think Jesus is coming back in their day. Christians in every era thought their generation was the last generation. 
Now, I will be the first to admit that this has led to some extremely unhealthy behavior and activity. However, when this statement is understood in light of the gospel, this gives us all what I would call a positive sense of urgency. It reminds us that tomorrow isn't given. And therefore, today is a gift. A gift for the purpose of living. A gift for the purpose of enjoying. A gift for the purpose of sharing with our neighbor what God has given us. That we are always living through this present age as if it's the last day. So all the more reason to share the gospel with your neighbor. To be loving to your neighbor. And this is my second point. Dear Christian, be alert. As I said a couple of weeks ago, wake up. Because all these things have occurred, and because they've occurred, we can trust Christ at his word. Which is the one thing that will not pass away. And the promise given to you is that he has saved you and that he is going to come again for you. And he will, when he comes again for you, glorify you. And that word, that word that Christ has given you is a real reality for you, not because of what you're experiencing around you, but because you've been baptized You've been baptized into the death of Jesus. And so now, right now, in a real way, your life is hidden with Christ and God. And this is good news because therefore you can be assured that your last day is already behind you. It's already behind you and the only thing left for you to do is truly live. I love how Gerhard Forde puts it. Now that you don't have to do anything, what do you want to do? You can truly live. Truly live in service of your neighbor until he returns and claims you as his own. And dear Christian, that is worth being alert for. In the meantime, though, we remember and we rejoice That as our lives and since our lives are hidden with Christ, we live in a new reality. And we live in a reality where there is nothing to do for God to stay in his good graces as we move towards that end. Rather, as St. Paul tells the Corinthians, by virtue of being baptized, we live in the midst of indicatives or what God has already done for us. Notice St. Paul's language here. And I always joke kind of whenever, you know, Ben will affirm this, whenever we hear people talking about wanting to go back to the early church days, I'm like, no, the early church was a total, total mess. I mean, the Corinthian church was a mess. Total mess. It makes us look really organized. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but look what St. Paul says to them right from the beginning. And look who's the protagonist in this relationship. For in every way you have been enriched in him. You are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you await for him to return. 
He will strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless. And who's faithful? God is faithful. You see, the ability to handle the pressures that this life is throwing at us as we move towards the end of time is not the result of you doing things, but it is ultimately the result of you resting in the good news of the gospel. The ability to endure as a Christian is not the result of our faithfulness, but God's faithfulness to us. It is in realizing that we move through this life already in God's grace and mercy, in the form of the forgiveness of our sins, and that nothing can take that away from you. Well, you can face whatever the world is going to throw at you in 2021. Who knows what's in that obelisk in the middle of the Utah desert? But you'll be able to handle it. I love how the prophet Isaiah puts it in our Old Testament reading. I mean, listen to this. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. All the other gods demand something from you. Our God has done everything for you. And if it rested on us, we'd be doomed. We'd be totally doomed. If it rested on our strength and faithfulness, oh, just look outside the world. We wouldn't survive the end of the world. And this is my third point. Dear Christian, you can be of good hope. Because thanks be to God, it doesn't rest on us, but totally and completely on Jesus. To endure until the end is to be on the receiving side of God's love. It's to be on the receiving side of Christ. And when you understand that, resting in the indicative, then you understand that the gospel says for you, the end is not about avoiding wrath, but about receiving all that God has for you. Receiving all of his love, all of his mercy, and all of his grace. And that, that can't help but overwhelm your life. And pouring out of you and touching your neighbor and carrying you through this age to its very end, and most importantly, into the age that is to come, where he will see you face to face, and you will behold him not as a stranger, but as a friend, where he's going to say to each and every one of you, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's, in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.